right, we are here. We are here. So, Fallen Shinigami, how, how was your day, man? Oh, buckle up, boys and girls. I gotta. I, in order to talk about my day, I gotta talk about my weekend. So it's time for the first installment of the Fallen Shinigami Chronicles. So I this weekend I went to uh, Atlanta. I uh, went to represent for my little sister. She got her master's degree. So Ooh. we rocking. All my siblings now have secondary degrees. So turning up in that household. Uh, yeah. So that's just flex for the family. Uh, just like support for parents and everyone that kind of just like helped us get to this point. So happy for them. Happy for her as well. So that was that was the cool part of the weekend. Now for the tiring part hit the danger button. So, my friend, I woke up at at least 4.30 twice in a row already this weekend. And so with that, graduations, I have to say, graduations are some of the most fun events and celebratory events that a lot of people get to participate in. The actual graduation ceremony is one of the most boring ceremonies in the history <laughs> of existence. My God. And it's bad because I went to a hooding ceremony and then I went to like the, the actual school ceremony. Holy the hooding God. ceremony was two hours. The school ceremony was four hours. Huh? Damn. Four. Four hours. And my goodness. We, I had to, again, I had to wake up super early to get there because it started at eight in the morning, but guess what? <laughs> they didn't start walking down the aisle until 8.20. They didn't get done until like 8.50. <laughs> they didn't start the ceremony until nine. My friend, from there, they proceeded to talk and do an, essentially an award ceremony for the teachers and staff <laughs> for two and a half hours. They didn't even mention any of the graduates. And then the, the president of school, who was talking his heart out, had the nerve to be like, hey, this is all going to go smoothly if none of you, like, stand up and, like, chant and yell for your uh, graduates or whatever. At the two and a half hour mark, the crowd was about to crucify this man. <laughs> there is about to be a revolt. My goodness, man, I... I I, never again like I, I can't do a four-hour graduation again and now that I transitioned to that as for this morning so last night so I have a policy where I don't really try to eat a lot but the night before a flight so last night I had the smart idea where oh I'm gonna get a milkshake from McDonald's so I got a strawberry milkshake oh. around 8 30 so woke up this morning and then the first thing I heard was ha ha and I was like, oh no, that that's not good. I would go to sleep. And then when I wake up, hopefully I can take care of my business and I'll be good. Woke up, took care of my business. And then it was like, ho, 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 ho. And I was like, oh no, Attack on Titan is playing right now in my stomach. And then as soon as we get in the car, the lyrics came in and it was like, rumbling, rumbling, la la, rumbling, rumbling. And guess what? The Atlanta airport is one of the worst airports for check-ins. I don't know if you've ever been to it. There's only one check-in line. Um, for the Houston airport, which is amazing, you can get through security checkpoint in like five minutes. Like when I went to Atlanta, it took me like less than five minutes to get through the security checkpoint. Fam, there were five lines that went into the one line that we get for the security check-in. 
And then we had to walk past those uh, those racist police dogs that uh, chase people, the black people in the 60s. And this entire time, my stomach is just playing a symphony because I can't, my flight is literally in like 40 minutes and it's a 30 minute wait in the line. So I'm just holding it. But I don't know if I'm, I'm going to miss my flight or if I have the time to go before my flight. But by the grace of God. I got out and then I I made my flight. So and now I'm here recording. So yeah, that 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 was mine. So for any of the 20% of listeners that are still here after that, I'm Demetrius. And I'm Demetrius. <laughs> and Meet Meet presents the Bird City Podcast. Yes. So take over for us, Demetrius. Okay, so now that I'm still mentally processing everything that's going on here today, we no, I'm just taking over because you 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 kind of went through it. I thought my day was worth. All right, so so we're gonna have ourselves a nice, very special episode today where we get to cover a comic book. But this one's very special because it's it's one that's near and dear in my heart, and I put you on. All right, you did and absolutely. If you and if you see the title of this. You know what it is. It's Bitter Root by my boy Chuck Brown in, by Image Comics. But before we get to any of that, any of this nice tidbits, let's hit you up with that legal Spiegel. So the purpose of this podcast is to explore digital and print media. All sources we reference are owned by their respective companies, and our thoughts and opinions are strictly our own and reflect no biases or corporate agendas. Your discretion is advised. And yeah, just for the listeners, this is going to be a really big, just like content heavy uh, episode. So there's going to get some like deep topics. Both of us are going to kind of just like go in, touch the uh, comics, like even to just kind of, and it, I won't set it up yet, but you, like you mentioned, put me onto it with it, literally like our first episode of when we did the podcast. So getting a chance to actually read this for the first time was really eye opening for me. Yeah, definitely. It it was that for me too. And of, of course, you know, I got put on by by Blur without fear. So uh so yeah, so that was definitely just one for me. But hey, you but hey, before we get to that discussion, before we get to talk about everything, you know we gotta do this every time. Let's hit you up with that what's hot. Now, let's see, what's hot? What's new in the indie streets these days besides you uh nearly dying? Yes, uh, I have to say, I have to give an apology to the Fast and Furious franchise. I went to go see that with my my older sister, my Chan, yesterday. It was really good. Fast X was really good. Um, and she hadn't seen any of the movies before. I mean, well, any of the movies after to, uh, Tokyo Drift. And so I just kind of like updated her beforehand. And I, like when I watched F9, it was like, the rise of the Skywalker s to me where I was just like, come on, what are we doing here? But Fast X is such an entertaining movie. And Jason Momoa just like has the time of his life in that movie. And you can tell he's an absolute man child, but it was really good. My only concern moving forward is that it was supposed to be a two-parter. And as the moment they released it, they were like, oh, we're actually going to make it a three-parter. So it's the, I think with the Fast and Furious franchise, it is the, Attack on Titan as stretch it out of it, where it's like at some point you need to learn how to end it. But in terms of Fast X, it was a really good movie. Go see that. Uh, other things that's what hot, just to keep it quick. We also have 
uh, La Reina del Sur, season three, Queen of the South, one of my favorite uh, telenovelas. Uh, and one of my friends, that's kind of like how we became best friends because of that show. We're already going crazy in the chat with that. Another one, I finished Beef. That show is crazy. <laughs> what, what did I tell you? Revenge should never cost more than $275. You, yeah, you absolutely told me. So that that was absolutely incredible. And then another thing, um, if you're in Houston this weekend, Comic Palooza, come holla at your boys. Uh, the Rogue Jedi will be giving a performance, and that's going to be dope. So I'm looking forward to that. That's all I got. All right. And then from my end, we know you got to get through the categories. So anime, of course, we got ourselves that young villain saga. We got that that crisply animated demon slayer just out of nowhere just cooking and one piece is cooking too it's it's they every, everybody cooking in the anime scene right now i'm, I'm not even gonna hold you uh then we're gonna speed pass along of course we got in, in the comics book sphere the summer symbiotes fully on on underway the extreme venom verses here and in, in tying into the death of the venom verse also in in uh anticipation of it i i seen this thing on uh tiktok one day it's actually about the miles morales so about you know across across the spider-verse mm-hmm. and the tiktok was like wait hold on who's that in the background chasing miles and it's insomniac ps4 spiders like and then he's just like where's the x in the old book i was like you just <laughs> see the x in the O right on top of miles like this brother ain't gonna make it <laughs> that's wow yeah it's over yeah but uh but yeah so other than that just just little quick tidbits of just different things that's been happening um we got ourselves like more movies that are coming out as well as coming out and mm-hmm. it's too many to mention but just know that uh you'll be hearing our thoughts about it in upcoming episodes uh and then of course comic palooza which as he mentioned i will be i'll be performing in and hey, come see your boy fully kitted out as as the rogue Jedi really should. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I all I had in terms of the TV and movie scene. So oh, so we can get into Bitterroot then. All right, let's go ahead and talk about it. Let's talk about greatness, shall we? We we're gonna start off our discussion by talking about Bitterroot and what the overview story is. So Bitterroot. Written by Chuck Brown, right? With with art with art by Rico Renzi and Sanford Green. Not that Sanford Green. <laughs> <laughs> but but in terms of the story, it's pretty much taking place in 1920, like 1920s era Harlem. And it's about a certain family, the Sangier family. I, I call them Sangria. It, I could very well be doing that all types of wrong, but we'll... Bam, I was calling them Sangria, and I was like, I feel like that's not it. But don't worry, we're we going to figure it out at some point uh, because this, this comic is, spoiler alert, going to get adapted into a series by Regina King. Literally just saw that today. <laughs> so, I, I, well, I was going to say, she Regina King, she an absolute queen, yes. and her wanting to adapt this, it's about to be uh just straight heat. Um, but yeah, so essentially it's all about the Sangier family. And they're pe- basically two sects. There are the basically the fighters or the hunters, and then there are 
the root magicians they, they essentially like uh help take care of the root and like create all the medicine need to fight their opponents their opponents or the ops of the of the series are known as the genu the genu as they call them because uh other different families they also are hunters and they call them by different names they're essentially beings or monsters created through the power of hatred ignorance and bigotry and whenever somebody feels those emotions really heavily boom transform into a near mile a near mindless demonic monster and to run roughshod on the entire black community so with that you can kind of have two guesses as to uh who typically gets transformed into janu um but yeah yeah, yeah you want to Oh, yeah, I just remember you uh, when you kind of set it up talking to me about it, where you said like the concept, as you mentioned, whereas like the hatred, it corrupts souls and kind of like turns them into a monsters. And then you said, oh, it takes place in the 1920s. And I was like, oh, I know that like that's definitely going to touch on it and won't like run away from things that we're going to get into much later. So definitely like if one is to like check that out definitely have your eyes open coming into it that's all i can say yeah absolutely absolutely so as we get started we we encounter like you know just get into the world building get into everything and we encounter like our main characters we have ourselves uh cullen who is a well he's he's a male so like in terms of dynamics typically the males are the hunters and the females are the root uh are the root and uh but unfortunately, Colin, he doesn't know how to fight. He actually is really good with root work and messing with the roots and creating potions, but they all have him out there fighting. While in the meantime, the second main character, Blink, she is actually more the fighter, and she's mm-hmm. good at like murdering Jinu and and just uh putting them in, in packs. But uh, but of course, like there's Ma Etta, who is the who's the the grandmother the 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 head woman in charge uh the the elderly one the one who sticks close to tradition so she's the one that like basically keeps blink in uh like in chains if you will not 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 physical chains but you know the chains of tradition uh, say uh, hey you stay here and you work on this route while you have your cousin out there doing all the hard work and of course, Colin ain't alone out there. We we got ourselves the, in my opinion, the best character of this entire crew. Indubitably. Yes, yes. Salutations to the one and only Berg. Uh Berg, he 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 a big giant teddy bear. Uh he 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 large, he got a nice beard. He and his speech pattern is mm, he he speaks with such eloquence and with such large terms that I need to do better <laughs> a voluminous vocabulary if you will yes the the sharp uh increase in the in his vernacular is of such incredible magnitude that one can only hope to imitate such uh such vertitude into our current existence yes <laughs> oh man that, that that got me feeling some type of way um yeah, but that's yeah. how he talks people <laughs> yes that that really is how he talks he he talks with such eloquence that that it's a running joke that nobody in his family can understand him because he's using such big brained words. Cause again, 1920s Harlem and he's speaking with vocabulary that, that not many people he, even today would know. Well, that's the, that GRE grad school test. Vocab. 
man that's like uh that's like a 12th grade spelling bee um you champion of the universe but but moving on but moving on we also got ourselves enoch who's kind of like the tech wizard the tech guru all he's doing research and then there's finally there's ford ford is kind of like the outcast cousin you know he you know you you know mm-hmm. you know that type of cousin you all know but uh but essentially like he's outcast for a very specific reason and he's basically like just on the road just murdering uh any genu like just out there in the entire united states so mostly because uh with that just to kind of fill it in i don't know if you want to touch on it later but mostly because the family believes in purifying the souls with the root but ford is like they just need to be extinguished and killed yes so i i was gonna get into that because like the main plot of that if you will is that there were basically a a semi-dichotomy between the two and also trying to like you see like basically themes of uh, you know traditions and trying to bend the norm because blink like she obviously wants to go out and fight and Mm -hmm. fight she does and she does it super well while cullen like he does like the root work like he sometimes does it in her stead and ma etta is not too crazy about that at all while everybody else is like whatever gets the job done if you yeah and then you got ourselves like and then you got ourselves like one of the main antagonists that shows up where you see like a giant bird uh genu except it starts speaking like eloquently it it, spoiler alert it's it's not a genu at least in the normal sense right and it's the the main antagonist is eliza nightsdale who turns into a giant crow monster, uh, eat your heart out, Itachi. <laughs> and also there's Walter Sylvester, who's her second in command. Well, who's her equal, kind of. And he also gets be able to turn into a genou as monster. And all, all they, and their backstory is just jacked. And they're both African-American, by the way, people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I'm I'm talking about this, there's maybe, like, there's only one prominent, like, white person who has a name in this entire (laughs) series by the name of Johnny. Uh, Johnny, he he got invited to the cookout um, for for very good reasons, but... He he was at another cookout that was a bit different. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's just get him out of the way, because... his story just basically just does not exist until like a certain point later. Yeah. So essentially Johnny, he he part of a you know a certain uh certain white supremacist group, if you will. Uh you know, one of the biggest ops in history. You know, a, a certain uh group that uh decides to, you know, wear white hoods and whatnot. And he with his like crew, he with his family and whatnot, and of course Ford just stumbles up and they all get turned into to Janu except for him and they all just started running roughshod you know they all nearly killing th- this man Johnny but Ford like saves him and like they exist in this just purifying by purifying I mean absolutely put them in a t-shirt <laughs> put them all six feet under and Johnny just realized like oh is this what I'm gonna end up turning into and Ford's like yeah so get your act together boy and get his act together he did he basically becomes uh 
Ford's like lackey. <laughs> yes, black is right. I, I was about to say something even crazier. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. Before I, I, was, I was trying to filter too. But yeah, so he pretty much is just there. And, and essentially he 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 got invited to the cookout. Um, but yeah, you want to take over about about yeah. our, our antagonist, if you will? Yeah, so we're not gonna go into uh just so people have the chance to read the books, we're not gonna go into each plot by plot detail, but with that, kind of just like we see that uh, both Eliza and our guy, Dr. Sylvester, they have a tragic backstory, as Meech mentioned, where they met in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which we're going to touch on a lot later, um, and the race riots and massacre that happened there. So both of them were uh, found in the rebel. Sylvester, who had already lost his wife prior to sickness, he lost both of his children in that massacre. Uh, so with that, we kind of find out that they're not really Janu. Um, it gets touched on in like a later book, so I won't kind of mention it yet, but they can use and harness that power. And with that, they're like, hey, we can get revenge. So that's kind of their plot at the point. And then with that, they see that uh, the Janu that happened in New York. So this also takes place in a lot of different cities and time periods. Uh, the cops, they want revenge on the people that got harmed by the Janu. So they just like kind of go into the Harlem black part of it and just start attacking. Uh, so then that causes more Janu to come between the cops because their hatred is like manifesting. And so now these Sangres are out trying to like kind of stop them in a sense. So, but also with that, our boy Bird gets infected and he essentially turns into a monster too, but uh, he's able to kind of control himself. And like Nietzsche mentioned, it's with Blank, she wants to fight. And since Cullen at the time is a very poor fighter, uh, she kind of steps in and Ma, Ma Etta, the OG, she's like, oh, I can I can fight too. Don't don't get it twisted. So it's kind of just like that combating where it kind of leads to a point where more and more Janu open. And I don't know if this is at the point where the portal tears open or not. Yup, it is. So essentially a portal tears open. And unfortunately, like and Colin basically he gets sucked into it. And we, we I, I did miss a part. They go and find Uncle Enoch, my one of my favorite characters. Oh yeah, yeah. Enoch is just out here wilding out with his crazy inventions, and he kind of a and he's kind of like trying his best. Like, all right, all right, all right. Here's how we can like fix everybody. Here's how we can fix a uh, Berg. Here's how we can uh like help purify everybody. Here's how we can get rid of uh a Lightendale and Doctor Sylvester. Like, cure them of their madness and everything. And uh, yeah, no, none of it works. Uh, yeah, because and then also why they had to find him. He's also an outcast to the family because they blame him for events that happened. And they keep referring to it as Red Summer of 1919, which is actually a real event that I found out for for the first time like last week. And they said that he he plays with dark magic, which was like an absolute no no, and that was kind of the cause of. Blank losing her mom, Cullen losing his dad, uh, so him also losing his siblings. So that's kind of why he was in the outcast. So like you mentioned, Cullen gets dragged into the <laughs> to the, the netherworld, essentially. To, to the, honestly, I don't even know how to even pronounce this one. How to pronounce that it's realm? like Barzark or something like that. Whatever it's called. <laughs> um, it's, it's essentially like how it's described. It is basically purgatory. Mm -hmm. And it's the barrier between Earth and hell. 
Yes. So it it's it literally becomes like religion. It becomes like a uh, demonic, and we we get we get spawny real quick, mm-hmm. real real quick. And I love it. So essentially, like as Colin's in there, like in there, he ends up finding like his aunt Nora, who's Blink's mom, and his dad. And of course, like as we find out, like time moves differently there. So like they spent years over there when it's like maybe days out there in on earth or something to that effect because because essentially like they're in the portal and they're trying to protect basically they're they're killing demons left and right and try to keep them from coming to earth yeah all being had by by an op above all ops oh my goodness that that dude's a demon Uh, (laughs) yes literally named adro uh adro and then but then on Earth, we see like, okay, they're still dealing with us, like Sylvester and Knightsdale. And then another dark portal opens. And then we get our boy. And then our boy Colin just comes through like fully manned out. He murdering things left and right. He he got his glow up. He got the glow up. I wrote that down literally. <laughs> he got his glow up. And he came out swinging. He laced up his Black Forces and decided to say if you an op you going in the dirt so yes he mur- he gets like Knightsdale killed mm-hmm. and then and of course like Sylvester like he gets away but of course like Knightsdale dies but then the reason why him and Nora get back is twofold firstly it's messed up on uh Colin's part because he ends up actually leaving his dad behind Mm-hmm. Because at this point, like his dad was wheelchair bound, even though he's still like able to fight. And then he had like one chance because he because they figured out that a the king of the demons is on Earth. Like he went through that portal. So we got to like follow him no matter what. Like we need to do this quickly and get him and put him in a pack. Mm-hmm. But but at the essentially like at the cost of his dad being stuck there again for all these time and he's just like bro like Colin Colin why why you different uh <laughs> your, your forces is you 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 trying to graduate to Tim's already and yeah of course of the second volume yeah so they tease that in the second one thing that we do need to mention is that we find out that what Nightstale and what uh Dr. Sylvester are are they're not genuine it's called this one was really hard to pronounce but I wrote I think it's called Inzando Inzondo. Inzondo. So it, instead of it, you turn into a monster because your soul is corrupted by hatred and fear. It's your soul is overcome by such tremendous sorrow, pain, and trauma that you then turn into a monster, which I thought was like an absolutely like incredibly written subplot. And then like how that translate moving into the next volume where it's just like everyone at different points, this is like turning into a monster and it's kind of like hard to control it. So yeah. Yeah, so essentially, like you, like Ma Etta, like her main thing is being able to like see the souls of others, and Berg, right? Because like his being able, because they seemingly cure him, like he's seemingly able to like return back to normal. But then in a fight with a bunch of Janu, he ends up like hulking out again, and like it turns out, like hey, I can feel all the guilt, all the fear, and all of the sadness that like. I felt throughout my entire life and and from others as well. 
and that's how they figure out that like oh snap it is uh it like we this is completely different so because and with that like that proves like okay all of our stuff just does not work like mm-hmm. my Edda trying to figure out like okay how do we take care of this and then Berg's just like you know what I'm gonna I'm just conquer all of this and then there's Colin 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 the absolute <laughs> monstrosity because she she took a look at this man's soul Ma Edda looked looked at this man's soul and he he got some demons yeah because of the fact of all the time like he spent in that uh that the B dimension Barzarker. Uh, yeah you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna just call it the purgatory the, the shadow realm the time he spent in the shadow realm just pretty much hardened his heart hardened his soul and made him like cold callous and just pretty much a monster to where like at one specific point they all like like they like him ford berg and johnny they they oh and nora they all end up at a certain uh sundown town yeah and if you guys don't know your history what a sundown town is it was basically a town where in which uh if you were part of the black community and you were there you you could not be out or you could not stay there at sundown and if you were caught at sundown they will lynch you like the the white community they would just lynch you on site so yeah and if you want to like an example of that I believe it's the first episode of Lovecraft Country that kind of highlights the anxiety, stress, and fear that kind of comes from a sun t- downtown. Yeah, it's, I was like, it was the first episode or it's second. It's either the first or second. It's yeah, it was first. one of those two. But yeah, that's it, it's pitch perfect. Like that is a perfect example of that, and just trying to like ensure like, hey, our people, we got to be safe. But but getting but getting back to the point, they they're there. And they're in the sundown town, and then of course, uh, because they in the sundown town, and the sun went down, Jinu just out the wazoo. Yeah. They all started wilding out, and and unfortunately, like Colin's first instinct was to leave everybody behind. <laughs> uh, and then by this, like, and by this point, right here's another side plot: is what happens with Sylvester learn all about his backstory we see how a is on earth and actually possessed the dead body of nightsdale yeah where you go bro um and then with that right you and like she's basically like tempting him like hey you here's your destiny and you get to uh like be reunited with your loved ones and like you and all of our followers just just give me a bunch of fear, give me a bunch of hate, give me a fun, bunch of guilt, and just just feed me power uh, through your emotions. And with that, like to increase his increase Adro's power, and and Sylvester, like he's just basically basically he's reliving his trauma over and over. Like he's remembering the Tulsa incident, uh, and he's remembering like losing his losing his wife, losing his children. And then see, and then he runs into like another black family who basically a like resurrected their child, but it really wasn't a child anymore. Uh, cause all that was gone. 
like their personality was gone and mm-hmm. essentially he just comes to the clues like this ain't it yeah it, it was crazy i don't know if you've ever seen midnight mass yes so yeah uh so not to spoil people but go watch midnight mass on netflix it's incredible but it's crazy like how with adro how she came to dr sylvester even he was saying that like yo this is salvation for us to turn into these nzondu and like attack and like take over the world in order to like stop our pain and suffering we have to end everybody and with midnight mass it's so crazy like how that kind of ties in where it's like one person's vampire is another person's angel and like with that it's like a demon and an angel she promised salvation but with that she came to the conclusion where it's like no you're actually like evil like this isn't right um the fact that you brought back this person's son he's not there anymore it's like a husk so that was absolutely just incredible storytelling, which kind of leads towards uh, when we do get to volume three and what we'll talk about later of just like hatred and like the ramifications of it. Yeah, definitely. And and yeah, so essentially like the the family, they they keep on fighting, like they're fighting all of Janu. They're fighting a, a Dro who just decides to reveal himself. And of course, Sylvester, he comes up there. He decides to say, you know what? Hey, any enemy of my enemy, am I right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, brother, go and run his pockets and run the pockets they did. And then it essentially volume two all ends with uh with a dro essentially getting oh firstly a dro end up taking out uh well firstly well further before that Colin again out here wilding like he going after a dro just head first yeah. like just fighting fighting his heart and soul out which again like again he he initially had that glow up but but now he he trying to reach his uh his vigilante deku arc um, <laughs> he he trying he trying to go full dark deku and i'm just like um sir sir no just no just stop stop before you you go too far and uh and yeah it's like while he's fighting johnny our boy like basically Cohen was like hey we need to leave this boy behind like he he probably like left us probably hey he probably is one of them one of the Janu that we probably got and four is like nah he 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 one of us he invited to the cookout he is valid but but uh, and then Johnny proves his validity by standing up to a drill by saving him and by like basically knocking some sense into Cullen uh-huh. only for a drill to uh to impale said welcome to the donut club yeah yep he got he got sent packing he he got to meet uh rengoku he got to meet uh ace he got to meet obito he 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 got to meet ren uh like legit it was just nothing but uh nothing but just a giant hole and he gone and and of course ford he just he just out of it at this point because yeah he, he lost his boy he, he lost his uh his servant. Hey, oh, oh, oh man, man, I'm about to get flamed in the comments. Uh, I don't care. But yeah, so he is just beside himself, and of course, like again, that's when Sylvester he decides to just know what, forget all this, screw you, Adro, screw your destiny, and then pushes him into the uh pushing him through the portal and essentially a dro and sylvester are now back in purgatory 
Yeah, so with that, it does flash forward like six months. Uh, the family is kind of split up. We do find out that Charles Sangre, who is Cullen's dad, he's alive, even though he got left for dead. He ends up meeting with Dr. Sylvester. And then also during this time, Ma Etta establishes Blank as the leader of the uh, Sangre family now. Uh, so with that, six months have passed. The portals all over the world are still opening, which I thought was really interesting because when it, the comic first started, I thought it was going to be like, a, okay, it's an underground fight. Like nobody's really supposed to know that these monsters exist and that this family fights them. But like, it's essentially like the entire world gets infected by it. Um, And it's like, they're losing the fight like really bad because they can't cure anybody, whether it be Junu, Junu or Nzumbo. In, in Zondo. So it's just kind of like tough with that. And we see that Ford and Cullen, they have their own journey. Berg, he's kind of like established himself. He's starting a family with another in Zondo. And then just like blank struggling with leadership. So that was definitely tough. But during this time, Uncle Enoch, he's like united with all the other families in kind of Harlem. And he's like, hey, we all have these different words for the same thing. So with science, with faith, with uh, magic, it has to lead to one conclusion. So that's kind of like what he works on in this uh, volume. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And of course, uh, unfortunately, due to all this, the families are, they they still in a uh, prideful bag. And it's like, nah, see, because see, all these problems is because of you sangriers. You guys are all the, every time something pops off, it's always y'all at the center. Nah, we we just gonna keep to ourselves, and and at this point, like literally, he he's just still doing his best to try to convince the others to to join them. And of course, we got like just everybody just doing their best to fight and to fight like all the history, like all the monsters, all the Enzondo Janu, and everything of the sort. If you got if you want to take over, yeah. So we'll just wrap it up because again, we can't really. Talk every uh, complex, but one part that like really hurt me was like Uncle Enoch. He said he found the solution. So essentially, the emotions that are happening in Mars Ark or the Shadow Realm, if you will, were created by, uh, well, shaped by the Elder Gods or like the beings that used to live there. And it eventually that hatred corrupted it because it was a peaceful place. So with that, he's like on the way to like the family dinner to tell them everything, and he gets killed right before he gets there, uh, which was like a really sad scene so like with that we also find out that cullen the reason that he's so spiteful and so hate hateful ever since coming back is that we learned that he does his hatred is for the Junu because they hold him back from being what he wants to be so the Junu essentially like the fact that they exist and the fact that he's born to that family he has to fight them he has that's his role but he wants to be anything else other than that which is why his hatred is so building and then in like uh the 14th book or comic if you will it's like a one shot for each character and it was such an like incredible part and like everyone's just like looking up for a solution and it was really crazy the ending like it's super bittersweet where they fight like they find essentially the cure or like uh, a winning solution if you will and they fight to cure like this tree, which is again, turned by the emotion of hatred. And they end up curing it with hope and love, but it's only one tree. And in the process, they lose a family member, which turns another family member into an Nzondu. Uh, And it kind of like wraps up with uh, essentially fast forwarding to uh, the 
uh, pre-World War II time. Mm -hmm. And one of the quotes that I wrote down that I thought was just like really, really cool was, the poison in our souls that drives us to kill over race and religion is the same thing that's infected the planet and turned it against us. But we can't fight hate with more hate. We can't heal a diseased world by using the same disease that started the sickness. We have to find a different way. That was such an incredible quote during like that last chapter. Yeah, I as I said, like when I read that, I almost got choked up because I'm like, bro, this like this statement right here, it is too true. It is true not just for back then, it's true even today, man. And I and that's part of the reason I just love this comic so much this comic book series and it's only and the fact that it's only 15 issues long it's just like bro this is remarkably short yeah the thing because like when it ended i was like wow it only ended with him like taking out that one thing so like they didn't like win-win and just to like at a certain point when i was reading it i was like this is bigger than just a comic it's like it's talking to something else so when i was reading it i was like i had to like have those glasses on so with that it was just kind of like wow but it does start with just one. Like you can't cure it all in a day, which was that 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 one hit. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Any any other themes that we uh pointed out and noticed? I mean, just with tradition, that was definitely a big one. Uh just with like we saw how Maeda essentially was like, hey, blank, you you need to be in charge because like your your cousins are wild and um i'm not suitable to be a leader anymore um your mom isn't like suited to be a leader because you're left like you're the best option which breaks from tradition so we saw blank deal with that leadership role um and things like that and even with ford and how his character turned around where he was cullen to start with and by the end like when they saved that orphanage essentially that that was kind of like impactful yeah and and then, of course, like we're going to get into it a lot more, uh, especially after this sponsor break that we're about to get into just the topic of our history. So for today's sponsor, we have ourselves the Sangrier Academy of Love. See, in this time, we face just a bunch of different challenges. You can face Izondo, created from your guilt and your fear. Or you can face Janu, created from our hatred and our bigotry. We're here at the Sangriere Institute. We are here to teach you all about love and therapy and prosperity. And of course, if those options don't work, we can always teach you how to fight with your hands and whatever you can get your hands into. So please come join this institute today because we will definitely have to fight for a better future. Cool. So with that, uh, as Meech mentioned, we're going to kind of just get into history. And before we get into that, I do want to give a bit of a trigger warning. Like we're like, this will be just a straight up conversation. I know we like to have fun, get into like nerdy topics, conversations, have a lot of like wild times. But with that, we're just going to get into like some, especially opening up some very serious topics. If you need, if you're with a kid and you're, you know, you're a parent, you might want to listen to it first before letting them listen to it to decide that if your kid listening well we gave you the warning so well, 
welcome to uh welcome to black history 101 um so essentially like uh from this comic like as uh demetrius alluded to earlier was the red summer of 1919 now if if you want to know like what that is it's essentially just a period throughout basically 1919 which there were just 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 a large amount of terrorist attacks white supremacist movement racial riots just all throughout like just a bunch of different cities out in the united states and essentially it was just mostly like white on black violence like there were like mostly the african-americans like we mostly didn't fight back um but but sometimes we we did and sometimes they were bloody um But yeah, it, it's it's just like one of a myriad of just black spots in uh, history. Yeah, um, and like with that, uh, just I I did some research for it, and you can correct me since you're the historian. But uh, with that, it, it said it was like across at least twenty six cities, like at least that were recorded. Uh, you have to take into account as nineteen nineteen. Uh, Post-World War One, just like a lot of servicemen coming back, jobs taken, de- dealing with that, the great immigration, which is kind of just like a lot of Blacks moved from the South to the Midwest and the industrial North part of it. Great migration. Um, yes. So with that, it's just kind of like uh, taking to account that you think you're leaving racism, but it's everywhere, <laughs> which is which is what we'll get into a bit later as well. But I, I, I also appreciate that you said terrorism because that's what it is. Um, so just kind of with that, uh, a few highlight lowlights, if we'll be being honest, but just mobs attacked and then a lot of turning of the blind eyes kind of what caused a lot. So there was a four day riot in D.C. Um, it was a similar Emmett Till-esque situation where a kid got accused of essentially voting with a white woman and chaos ensued from there. Chicago, around July 27th, it ended with 38 dead, 537 injured, and 1,000 Black families left homeless. And then Elaine, Arkansas, September 30th through the 1st, uh, essentially, um, white cop was killed outside of a Black union meeting. It was some kind of meeting like that. And the governor ordered army stationed army soldiers nearby to put down a quote unquote insurrection, and it left almost two hundred people dead. And out of those two hundred, uh, only five were white. Just saying. So, so yeah, those those are just like some of it said some of those different things. And one of the things like I really want to stress is like this this is something that I definitely was not privy to uh beforehand. Like this, this something that wasn't talked about with me, and at least in my classes until like way later. Like I knew about this next one that we're about to talk with, but this was the one that I didn't know about. I was like, but the sad part is, I could, I was like, I wasn't surprised. Yeah, and just kind of with that, I literally had not heard of the Red Summer until last week when I uh, read the comment, because they kept mentioning it. And in the context of the comment, because they kept blaming Uncle Enoch for it, I was like, oh, this is just an event in the comic. And then like at the end of the entire 15 episode run, they actually they're like, hey, this is a real thing that happened. I was like, oh, snap. So I ended up doing research about it. And I was just like, wow. Yeah. So yeah. Get, getting into the next one. All right. Let's talk about the Tulsa, Oklahoma uh, incident, or as I like to call it, the bombing of Black Wall Street. 
um essentially like this this is something that was actually touched upon in the show watchmen uh on hbo which i'm like kudos for bringing that up but essentially if you guys didn't know until tulsa Oklahoma, we had essentially a black wall street that's where like black businesses it was just a town where like black people thrived it was like black people like just basically like just had had it all like we were we were doing so well for ourselves and then somebody just and somebody just decided to say wait these black people having uh having a good time bomb it all and and though they so people actually like like they actually sent like bombers to come in and like basically destroy that entire town like killing innumerable amount of uh, the black population and as well as just like going through killing folks and just de- leveling that entire town yeah that, that was crazy like you i i don't know when you first heard of it but i did i literally never heard of it until 2020 and then like with the george floyd situation and then it got brought up and then as you mentioned it was in Watchmen, and then later it was in lovecraft country and just uh also like it just that was like the one sticking point where it's like tulsa oklahoma black wall street and i like never hearing this before is like insane just like with the different things so that was definitely something where it's just like learning about it was like eye-opening in a sense yeah so like for me the i knew about this like pre because in college i actually studied like on black history and this was like the major event like one of the major events that was act that we actually discussed over and like i can just remember uh just remember that time when we were all just like reading about it and just like and the professor like lecturing about it and you you could cut the air with a knife that's just how tense the the entire atmosphere was especially since it was like it was like 99 black students and maybe like three white students in that class and it was a small class too so like we like we just felt it and that was like the first time i could tell like i know i heard of it and i could tell like that was the first time many others heard about it as well so uh kudos to my african-american liter uh history professor for that at Texas A&M and but but really like this was just one of those that was just like dang why just why like why why were we not allowed to have nice things and but it really just does like just gives like just hey this is our history this is how messed up it is it's such your America and it's crazy that like that like nobody talked about it and and it didn't reach the cultural zeitgeist until that show comes out which i'm just like bro it took watchmen coming out for tulsa oklahoma to address it and it took them that long for history books to now start adding that piece of history back into history textbooks which i'm just like why did it take that long and to be honest with you it really didn't like have the camera zoomed in on it until after the george floyd situation where he was murdered yeah so i'm just like yo like no wonder we did not know about it until much later in life because it wasn't focused on to which i'm just like this just proves just how jacked our american history is and just how much they have to hide which makes you think like what other incidents have happened and we're not just gonna talk about yeah so like with that 
uh, also like in the rundown other like situations that you that you like recently heard of didn't know before or like I feel like at some point there's just too many to name because most of the ones that I know are just like the 60s ones that happened during like the civil rights movement and I feel like it only gets talked about because it happened during the period of the civil rights movement yeah definitely and but yeah like of course like here's my thing there's a reason that the civil rights movement have had to happen in the first place and the reason being is because of all these atrocities that happened beforehand so it's like what was the straw that broke the camel's back to make us like want to act and like make us like hey we need to fight for our rights and like heck like the Tulsa Oklahoma incident for example that's one mm-hmm. uh the that's the red summer that's definitely another and as you mentioned, I could admit, I could be here all day just talking about just the amount of atrocities that have happened, not just then, but now that that makes us just that we just need to fight even more. Yeah. So um, with that, I don't know, like it kind of ties into like our next actually big question, but like any antidote that kind of open your eyes to racism, because we can kind of touch on it with the first question of like school and how it handles it like in a sense it kind of felt like with school it was like racism is over and there are like remnants left kind of like k through 12 it was like mm. here's like the race period civil rights movement happened there was like and then there was- kind of stuff and then you know barack obama got elected president and racism ended <laughs> oh no some oh no my oh no every time it was just like yeah no right racism uh it it like even with like it ended before Obama. Um, uh, it was it they would at least do the uh 1992 uh LA riots and then it was over. Yeah, like just like hey, these are just tiny sects of just insurrection. Like it was just a small part of the country, small just a very tiny portion of our history. Is like no, no, this is a major part of our history. This this happened uh basically from the beginning of our of America being founded to now Mm -hmm. to now and like you talking about like more anecdotes to like oh like yeah like some things like in school right you just and i don't know about you but like i went to like a predominantly black uh elementary school like of course (laughs) same so like like it it got talked about but not to a severe degree because again elementary school so yeah uh, elementary school middle school went to predominantly hispanic Mm. So we did not talk about it. <laughs> we did not talk about that at all. And then once we got to high school, like I went to a mostly black high school, but my teachers were white. So and then you also have to think of curriculum that you have to prepare for the end of year tests that are standardized by the state. Yeah, it's like again, standardized tests by the state to where you just like, okay, like this this is just like one tiny blip uh like we we can talk about it but it's like but even then i'm just like nah we there there was just not enough to talk about and then of course it would take me going to college and actually seeking out african-american history to actually get all the dark well get most of the dark details about it Uh (sighs) man i'm just like we like as a society like one of the things like uh, we've always said is like hey history was written by the winners and the fact that like like it just was not talked about at all 
that it just was like a blip in their eyes really really makes you uh think and cause a question everything about your history now doesn't it yeah so i really love how the comic puts like a focus on that of like hey this is the time periods hey let's focus on it like like let's keep mentioning and an antidote for me one that like the one that opened my eyes is the trayvon martin when he got killed um Mm -hmm. that was tough because that was the first time where it's like that's me where i looked at the tv screen and i was like like he would literally be the same age as us today and yeah. that like that sticks with me um oh crap we're getting emotional um but that, like that really like just like he, he had he could have had potential or he could have like you know he could have been anything but at the end of the day he's still someone's friend his someone's son like brother cousin friend and like just with that he had that taken away from him and like for you and me it's like that could have been us. Like we probably rocked hoodies in high school and, you know, and it's just like the situation where it seems so like cut and dry to me. Whereas it's like, you got told not to like follow this kid and he defended himself and you still went free. And then just like the different situations that happened after that with like the Michael Brown still being the same age as us, like, uh, and then Ahmaud Arbery, that one stuck with me too, because he was a runner. And like, with that, it was just like, he was running, minding his business. And I remember like in college, one of my goals during a summer was to like run the distance of essentially a half marathon. And I was in Southwest Virginia, like in the mountains running. And like, it took me a lot of different weird places. And like, I never thought that I was in danger at any point, but like, with that happening like to him it's just like wow that could have been me as well so that's like what opened my eyes to it whereas it's like oh maybe it's not race but it is racial so that's kind of just like where you lose the scales of innocence upon your eyes yeah and going along with that like for me it actually was rodney king Mm. like it was actually that because like sure i wasn't alive during that during that moment but all my family was and and the fact like it was so recent at that point in time like that was just something that they always just like basically basically like slowly but sure like inserting inserting into my uh life like hey this is just something that that can happen to you and it's why we tell you like hey be home by like a certain time like hey don't uh like be caught out in a shady neighborhood don't be out here looking shady Mm -hmm. uh Cause like it just takes, it just takes one person on the right day on the right second to take your life away. I'm just like, yeah, that that's kind of like where it began. But as you mentioned, it was Trayvon Martin that that kind of set it off for for the rest of us. It mm-hmm. set it off for the rest of our lives. And and then at this point, it's like just seeing more and more in the news. It's just like, yeah, yeah. And it makes you think before phone cameras and everything. So um we can get into the next question all right so our next question is like hey why is the media now covering this part of history when schools didn't like why did it take a tv show and somebody directing it to be to like remind us of that history when it really like like why did the school system kind of fail us in that way again um well, 2020 changed everything. Uh, I believe that's when the show came out, or 
that's at least when I watched it. That's what I remember. Uh, so Watchmen, just like pointing that out, George Floyd situation where he got murdered, that like in, in 2020 with COVID and the pandemic, we had to sit for the first time with a lot of our thoughts and things like that. And so social justice can be trendy. Um, you saw like a lot of different companies where they're like, oh, we stand with this, we support this, people on social media um, posting about their experiences, uh, different companies changing and people changing their uh, avatars or profile pics to just like a black square or black circle and things like that, where it's like, okay, let's bring it, let's bring it up. Let's take down the monuments. Let's do all this stuff. And you see now that some places, you know what state you are, panhandle, where it's kind of just like they, like how you mentioned with the schools where it's like, nope, we not talking about any of this. Um, So that's kind of just like the failing part of it, as you mentioned. I don't know, because like with schools and stuff like, how many times have we talked about the Boston massacre? <laughs> like we can like numerous times, the Boston tea party, like so many different battles that happened in American history. But the thing that sucks and why like Tulsa, Oklahoma and like red summer sucks so much. It's not just the tragedy that happened. It's the fact that we don't know about black wall street. Mm-hmm. that that's erased from history like we don't know like what went into that the business models like um how like generational wealth as they say getting passed down like that's a part of our history that's deleted not just the tragedy and like so many people can have that part of history in their lives where it's like we can take the lessons from this and move it forward we can't take the lesson we can just take the pain and the trauma and the pain and the trauma was hidden so now it's like dealing with that all over again like we're uh muzan's demons where like we have that generational trauma oh no not the, not the muzan not muzan jackson but uh but yeah that is a but yeah that is like a really deep deep fascinating point uh i think like just when it comes to that i think like when it comes to like them just basically redacting it from our history books, redacting it from everything. People may like there are two lines of thinking. Either one, deeply ashamed of it, which I think like is part of it. Two, as another system of uh of just like trying to oppress us, like like essentially like, hey, let's just downplay this part of their history, especially from a period where it seemed like they were gonna do so well. Let's just let's just erase that. They don't need to know about that. Or seeds like they think like that part just was not relevant to the topic because as you mentioned, like, hey, we live in a place where like when it comes to our learning, at least in terms of like our uh you know, like elementary, middle, and high school, all of it's mostly like test-oriented teaching. Yes, yes. And just how like we sh- like they really just want to make sure we're able to like retain enough information to pass these tests and then boom be done and then boom whatever happens happens with you have that you can learn all about in, that in college mm-hmm. and and when it comes to the college courses like hey you actually have to go out and find those courses like if you want it to be in that uh realm in that sphere like you have to seek it out and some and sometimes you may actually have to like those courses may be locked to to where you have to have a specific major in order to mm. in order to view it like i was fortunate i was able to take that uh that african-american history class because i was in that field 
Right. So I had that access. I had that information. But but for just a regular comic book, like, let's say somebody in engineering, if you will, like they want to learn about it. They they literally just have two options. I well, three, find a friend who's taking the course Two, go read about it and go do your research and read about it in libraries or the Internet or I guess now TV shows and comics. So and you got to think about their workload. So, yeah. So like so, that, yeah, it's just unrealistic for for just somebody who's not in that particular field to study all that out. And I'm just like, why not just make it part of your part of the regular curriculum? And like you made an excellent point where like it could be guilt or stuff like that. And I know like a lot of people like like people, some people today shouldn't be essentially blamed for what happened in 1860. But like at least understanding like what happened in place is helpful. It's like it's not blaming. It's just education. And like with that, people can sometimes say um, times were different there. You have to understand the times there. I get that because things that like even we said like 10 years ago, like if we said it today, <laughs> we you about to get up out of here. But like with that, you can make the distinction between oh, you said something that at the like at the time was funny, but today is insensitive um, and hurts people's feelings. And the difference between, oh, no, you just murdered people, dragged them out of their homes and burned their homes down. Like there is a distinct difference between that. Um, and just like even with that, like how many times in elementary school, at least that we were told about Christopher Columbus, he didn't and like he didn't even discover America. Like that's the thing. And it's not like he made a mistake in terms of what what's the like the cure it's like someone like they were trying to do something with science and they ended up finding not a cure but it's like bacteria and stuff like that oh penicillin is yeah, it that? Penicillin. It's, penicillin. Yeah. it's not like he made a mistake where it's like oh he found penicillin it's just like he didn't find america he gets credited for it and then we find out that he was a scumbag and he has his own day for it like that's insane like andrew jackson is a terrible human being he's on the 20 dollar bills and like with that like think of the indigenous people like like we had it bad like they their people and their cultures got erased from history like that's just like terrible like and not being able to learn about that is really tough mm-hmm. so, so yeah it's like and with that like like we can touch about like how we were taught this a bit i know like for me as i said mentioned earlier like it was it, it was really all in college where i had i had to learn about all this and in fact, like what actually gets covered, like from elementary through high school, like, okay, because I went to predominantly black uh, elementary, black high school, and then Hispanic middle school, um, we it was mostly like, all right, civil rights, it's like, all right, America founding, got some slavery, you got the civil war, slavery over, woo! Uh, but it's like, oh, wait, there's some racism. A little bit, a little bit. Oh, hey, hey, there's there's some racism here. Oh, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Some some things are happening. Oh wait, but unfortunately, we can't focus on that right now because we got World War One, World War Two. We got ourselves the the Red Scare. Yeah, mm-hmm. you got ourselves the Red Scare. And got ourselves the Cold War. We can't focus on just oh, and now after all that nonsense, now we can focus on civil rights now we can like talk about hey let's talk about rosa parks let's go ahead and talk about uh about mlk getting shot 
for the millionth time. Let's talk about I Have a Dream. Let's talk about uh no, we really didn't talk about Malcolm X too much. Um no, 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 no. We, did we didn't we didn't talk about Malcolm X much at all, if at all. If, as you can see, like, all right, civil rights movement after MLK gets gets killed. Now we and then boom. All right, everybody got their act together. All right, there's no more racism. Oh, there's that like one tiny incident. Oh, and there's that other incident, and then there's that other incident. But hey, we got Obama. Uh right? Yeah, so eh, yeah, it's like that, but I think we both agree like the story should be told. I mean, it doesn't have to be like the entire curriculum, but it is a part of American history as we so transitioning from there, we can get into the toxic cycle of hatred and fear. Uh yeah, yeah. So when it comes to that, um, like when it comes like with this comic, right, it really highlights just how just how much hatred can just seep out into each and every person, how each and every one of us, like we have that potential to like be overcome by that hate. But it's through that hatred. It's through that fear that you you turn into a monster. You You know, I'm the Star Wars guy. So you know what I'm about to say. Fear is a path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate hate leads to suffering. And that's exactly what this comic basically details is just how much these characters like all suffered all because of the hatred of a bunch of people, a bunch of like elder gods, a bunch of demons, just all their hate and everything just just pretty much ends up like causing untold carnage untold just deaths and everything like that if you want to touch on it a bit more yeah so i just think of pain and like how he talks about in naruto and how he talks about the cycle of hatred where where it's literally like hey you want to get back at me i'll get back at you and then are you once i get back at you then your your children want to get back at me and then my children want to get back at your children and it just it keeps going it keeps going it keeps going and i'm not going to spoil beef for people that are watching but at the end of the day it's just mutual destruction uh it's literally just like poisonous because the thing with fear and hatred like at first you can kind of be, you can recognize that like oh something is wrong within myself but then at a certain point you're just like overcome with and you're like yo i, I I, I'll make excuses for why I have this, why like I, I'll I'll do these evil acts, why I have such hatred in my heart. And then at a certain point where it's so poison, it's like you just don't care. You just do it because you want to. And honestly, it can feel good at times. And that's like the scary part of how it's so toxic. Yeah. Yeah. It's because of the fact like, hey, when when somebody slights you, your what's like your first gut reaction? Getting even. And mm-hmm. like and in that moment, in the in those few seconds, like when you want to take revenge, like that's when your prefrontal cortex, the part of your brain that governs like decision making shuts down and you're being ruled by the amygdala, which is the emotion centered part and being ruled by the emotion centered part of your brain is not a, a, a good thing. Right. Because essentially, like if you're ruled by your emotions, you you're going to like make decisions based on those emotions and if those emotions is stuff like anger or hatred and you want to get even you're not thinking like in the long term what would happen you're just thinking in the short term of getting even and say you do get even and you feel great about it as like i now that we got that done and then boom 
and then you don't realize consequences later. I think that's a certain reason why like road rage happens so much, yeah. especially in today's age where road rage is becoming ever so common. In fact, I just, in fact, I saw on the news yes, yesterday at the time of this recording that like one person died because from an apparent road rage incident and we don't, and there's no clue on like who did it. So, so yeah, I think like at the end of the day, like when it comes to that, like you, we just have there's there's no use like you can be angry like th- that is something i'm always gonna advocate like hey it's okay to be angry it's okay yeah. to feel feelings because that it's there like we we have those feelings we have those desires so like hey it's there for a reason yeah it's just what you do with it that determines whether that emotion is good or bad 100 percent agree that was, yeah i was gonna say something similar so like definitely with that um yeah, I just like take a break, pause sometimes. I, I really think that people, again, with certain shows that we've seen, like people make fun of Talk No Jutsu like a lot with Naruto. Um, but at the end of the day, especially in Shippuden, he's able to recognize that you're a person that went through a lot of trauma as well because like the Great Ninja Wars and stuff like that, where it's just like you feel the same pain that I do at different points and different times. So like really just like we're the same with different backgrounds, of course, and different like ideologies, but we're human at the end of the day. So like, there's really no point to take it to the point that a lot of people go at times. Agreed. Agreed. I, I can kind of set it better myself. (sighs) Yeah. Anything else? I mean, just, just how fantastic this comic is. Like the fact that we're able to take such a time to talk about such a deep rooted topic and, and be able to just hey look at this this is all like the great things that we have like it makes us really reflect on our history i'm like there you go let's do this yeah i would i 100% recommend this uh comic if you have the time it's it's really good and they also said that they are going to do some more and this is only one part of an entire story so definitely bitter root check it out yep all right and Thank you all for just a wonderful just discussion on just our black history and just the comic that is Bitterroot. But now comes a very special time in our in a special segment in our podcast today. It's known as Come Get Your Rose. And for this one, I'm handing it out to a bunch. Well, it's mainly to two people, but really it goes to the entire team. It goes to David F. Walker and Chuck Brown, the the co-creators of Bitterroot. Man, we just we just did a whole podcast about how 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 great this uh this comic is, man. And just the fact that it's in it's a very, very Eisner a win. It's an Eisner winning comic because it talks about the real life while sprinkling some fantasy as well. It it just it's deep. It's it's very rooted, if you will, in our past. And it definitely gives like many different spotlights for our future. To both of y'all, just thank you for creating such an amazing series and just how with a, a stellar cast of characters and to the artists and the to the artists and to the inkers and the colorists who are able to bring that to life so that we may be able to see it. Uh, you guys get y'all roses too, but 
I definitely just want to highlight to these two brothers who are able, who were able to create something for our generation. And this is something I'm definitely passing down to like my kids. If I, if I should have them, I'm definitely passing these down to them to like, just let them know like, Hey, this is a comic that's deeply affected by our history and definitely like is a way to like get them to talk about these topics and if in the event that somehow our our uh our history professors failed us and they they don't want to talk about it we got like 15 issues of a comic that definitely will do that so i just wanted to give that to them if you wanted to talk about it yeah just with that uh just to keep it quick the fact that i was reading it as a comic at first and then halfway through it was just like a bigger context and like emotions that were outside of the comic and kind of how it related and the fact that we were able like you and I were able to have this discussion is absolutely incredible writing absolutely incredible storytelling the ending to it was bittersweet just because of you know what happened but definitely 10 out of 10 recommend and we look forward to whatever tv series comes out of it or movie project so yeah with that, do you have any other recommendations that we can get into now? Oh, uh, yes. Let's go ahead and get into the recommendations. So I have a bunch of just out there uh, comics, just comics created by black creators, uh, because I feel like they they be able, they're able to give us uh, just a different purview into our lives and everything like that. And this main one is actually something I'm reading now. It's called Philadelphia by... Rodney Barnes is essentially about uh vampires in Philadelphia and it's about this this man and his father and of course they black so uh so yes yeah, so that's that's number one another one I definitely want to uh, highlight is Firebug by Johnny Christmas it's another image created comic and it's just another just hey just a great fun time and it's definitely something you can definitely read on like uh in Black History Month you have The Warning by Edward LaRoque that one's also that one's an alien invasion type story and it's and of course as I said like all these are written by black creators so just go ahead and do that with what you will and then like just transition just a little bit just like just one just two comics i want to highlight first one ta-nehisi coats run on black panther for marvel stellar just stellar stuff this basically this is the this is the donny kate's run for black panther oh okay yes you know okay i do not say that often <laughs> when you say that i gotta check it out now but yes, Tanahasi Coates just brung it. He 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 brought heat with Black Panther that I have not seen since and before. And then finally, NK Jemison. I'm sorry I mispronounced your name, but she is the creator of the Joe Mullen Far Sector Green Lantern, mm. Black Sister, Green Lantern. I know there's a million Green Lanterns out there. I'm Joiner. Yep, I know uh about John Stewart. I I know, I know, but but she she brings that sass, she brings that that black that black queen energy that we we all know and love. So just 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 go ahead take this from me before I start uh talking more 
And for two quick ones, just bigger ones, uh, in preparation of Across the Spider-Verse, uh, we have Cody Ziggler and his Miles Morales run of Spider-Man, which Mitch has been telling me repeatedly is goaded <laughs> on a, <laughs> another level. So, so that's definitely one you can check out if you want to prepare for the movie or if you just enjoy comics. And one other one, Nicholas Draper Ivy, his run on Static has been really good on just that interpretation of Static, the whole Static Shock kind of universe so check that out if you want to as well because that's definitely a superhero uh, as a black superhero that kind of got you you and me into that uh sphere so i remember watching that on wb tv mm-hmm. saturdays and every other day so going from there yeah we, i guess we can get into our plugs oh wait before we get into our plugs this is news that came out recently and we have to talk about it since we're talking about black creators, we're talking about about just black excellence. Jonathan Majors, he is free. Our boy beat the allegations. They were false to begin with. I'm going to need everybody who doubted my mans to apologize. I'm going to need everybody who doubted us to come give us our cheddar. Give me my check. Where my money at? Because I told you this man, he, he too good for that. I told you we wait until more details release. You thought I was a madman. You thought hope was was forever gone. You thought I was no longer be able to simp for this man. But nah, he beat the allegations. Damien is here. Big Dame is here. Young Kane the Conqueror is here. And y'all want to get on me about Ezra Miller? Nah, get out of here. Nah, nah, give me, give me, run, run me my check. All right, yeah, let's go ahead and get to these, uh, Get to these plugs. We have ourselves our Instagram and our Twitter, BlurredCity22. Come give us a like. Come give us a follow. And we have ourselves our YouTube and our Patreon at Blurred City Pod. Please, if you want to get, get access to very exclusive content, exclusive episodes, hey, come get some and give some chatter to your boys. Boom. Got yourself a play, Patreon to go ahead and get yourself something to play with. Uh, we have ourselves our Discord linked in our Instagram page. Then we have ourselves our email at blurredcity22 at gmail.com. And this is where you can submit suggestions for our future content. This is where if you want to collab, you reach out to us through there or to any of our social media pages. And finally, we have ourselves, and by ourselves, I mean me, I have my personal uh, TikTok, which is the Rogue Jack 21. Um, we don't know how long TikTok is gonna stay. Uh, it, it's it, it ain't looking good for uh, the platform, but I, but hey, it is what it is. Uh, I was good with it. I was good without it, but boom. But and then also we have ourselves the Ravens of Everkeep podcast, which is a talk about Vanish that I have that I'm part of on YouTube. So look up the Ravens of Everkeep. So that's all I have. What you got? Uh, for our Patreon, we're going to aim in the months of June, July, uh, moving forward to kind of get like one, maybe two episodes up a month. Uh, we just can't do it in May. We are at our, the end of our ropes right now. But for my individual author pages, you can catch me on my Instagram at Mitri underscore dash. That is M-E-T-R-I underscore D-A-S-H. And my Twitter at the mad dash 16. Uh, if you're interested in my book, Phantom Pains, A Most Irregular Tale, you can catch that on uh, Amazon and people, the streets have been asking me repeatedly, 
I, I just finished my draft of the sequel. It is trying to come by the end of the year. I promise. <laughs> please, please stop, stop, stop harassing me about it. So with that, we can get into our words of encouragement. All right. So for my words of encouragement is that embrace love. Embrace love and not hatred. Because if you embrace like your fear, you embrace your hatred, or if you're just run by guilt, and all of those negative emotions, then you're you're not exactly living life full to the fullest. And if you want to truly get everything out of life, and if you want to ensure you have a peaceful life, embrace love. Embrace love for one another because that's the only way that we can get through life. Yeah. And just what I have to say, hate can't overcome itself. Fear can be overcome. So with that, choose love as my my dear brother said. One heart at a time. That's all we can change sometimes. So with that, it's not goodbye forever. It's just goodbye for now. And that's the Blurred City Podcast. See ya later.